Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio. We have over 700 books, over 25 employees, and we make about 40 new books every year. And we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we are going to answer yet another reader question, which is... I was waiting for Ellie to thank the reader, oh. which did not occur for the first time in the history of reader questions. But no thanks so to you, reader. I'm going to. I don't know. Maybe Ellie didn't like this question, which is: Are economic models significantly different for smaller publishers? Mm. I guess it's an uncomfortable question. Yeah, I don't know, reader. Maybe you should keep your questions to yourself. Yeah, who, I mean, you know, we used to say there's only brilliant questions, but... Okay, this is actually a good question. It's a great question. <laughs> okay, you win. We're going to answer Sorry, it. Sorry, reader, and thank you, reader. Mm -hmm. You're contributing an excellent service. And this is the thing, you know, so this, um, I don't remember who asked this question, but I think this kind of came from this idea of seeing publishers having a bit of a, like an unpacking of their finances on social media. And I think there was one instance where somebody like went on and on about how every single book they sold was at a loss. Oh no. And, um, and so they basically were relying upon subscriptions and donors to fund their press. Oh my. And so... It doesn't have to be that way, reader. I received screenshots of that. It's coming back to me. And the question, are economic models different for smaller publishers? And the answer is no. I mean, you know, on some level, it's like if every single copy you sell is direct-to-consumer and you don't have a distributor, obviously you have a lot fewer unknowns right whereas like as a like i feel like you're actually you have the most complicated economic model as an independent small press who is self-funded and sold by a distributor because you functionally can't determine which books get adequate representation and thrust and you still have all the exposure returns plus all of the costs of sales, distribution, and returns. Right, and you have like that horrible time lag where you have to pay rate for return fees immediately, but you don't get paid for sales for mm -hmm. much longer. Mm-hmm. And it's all dreadfully confusing, and you know. So I'd say that's like the most compromised position. Yeah, that's tough. That's a hard one, and you can really lose your shirt. I mean, being like a super, like I was a super tiny publisher and I had no capital and that was pretty straightforward. I mean, I still managed to make my books a little complicated, but um, as Joe found out when we were doing the merger, sorry, Joe. Sorry. But um, 
And my advice to you would be don't do what I did and just run it out of your personal bank account, like separate that into a new bank account. And, and you know, I mean, honestly, I think what the question asker is seeing here is that um, most very small presses think that all, like, they're paying too much for printing. Right. And they think that all printers are kind of interchangeable. And so they're often paying, you know, you really should only pay, even at pandemic times, 15 to 18% of your cover price for your printing. So if your book is $20, really, you should be paying 3 to 360 per book, you know? Right. And in all the examples that were shown to me, the person is paying, you know, $10 to print a $16 oh. book. Right. And that's probably the actual problem. Right. That's not a sustainable economic model for yeah. anybody. And so you, like, literally are losing money on every copy sold. And right. I guess if you're losing money on every copy sold, yes, you are using a significantly different economic model. I mean, some larger companies are run on that economic model. Mm. Where you, like, endlessly dump money into it and... Right, but you're doing that because it will scale out of that, whereas in this right. case it won't. Right. You know, like, you do that when you're, like, you know, you're proofing your theorem, basically. Like, that makes sense. And then you're like, okay, people, you know, like, in the early days of um, that shoe company that Amazon bought, they, you know, they told the stories that they would, like, go to their local shoe store and buy the shoes off the shelves when people ordered it from them because the point of it was proof of concept, not to make money on that particular sale and then once they proved that people would buy shoes on the internet they were like oh okay cool so we need to set up like fulfillment centers and things like that whereas you know it's different obviously than if you're paying ten dollars for a book and selling it for sixteen dollars because the remaining six dollars is not going to cover the costs of editorial design fulfillment you know, let alone, like, it's less than a retailer would need to discount your book to sell it in their store and pay their staff. So you don't, you know, that's, it's, like, fundamentally broken, and you need a printer that would charge you $3.50 for that book, you know? The other, the other thing that I see smaller publishers often doing is, and I can see why it's intuitive, but it also doesn't make any sense as an economic model, is they'll get pre-orders for their book through Kickstarter or some other means, and then they'll just print enough books to fulfill those pre-orders, and then they won't print more, and then they won't ever be able to sell that book again, essentially. Yeah, I run into this a lot where they're like, well, they had their chance. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they, they I mean, may not have known they yeah. had their chance. And it's they like, may just be being born today. And, like, I suspect that's not over now, because, like, the whole thing now is you do, like, limited edition drops. You don't put things on sale. You, like, drop a thousand or whatever. Right. And the limited edition model, I, I just, I don't believe in that for publishing. It's very good as, like, a decision motivator. I actually mm. listened to a podcast about this this week. It's actually one of the... The only thing that's more effective than it is the one that says three remaining, five people looking. But it's just, you know, at the end of the day, like, do you want to, like, choke your own supply chain? Like, 
do you want to have to tell the sixth person, sorry, sold out, you know, like, you don't, because it's your book, it's your baby, you want them to get it, care about it, love it, live with it, you know? You don't want the album that you only make one of, and then some dumbass does it. Sorry. Man, what a note to end on. <laughs> Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.